Welcome to the Mothers of Misfits podcast. Join me for conversations about how to advocate for our kids in a one-size-fits-all world. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. It is wonderful to have with me today Brandon McCall. He is the founder and principal of Cornerstone Prep. Thanks, Brandon, for being oh, here. Oh, man. Thank you so much for having me. I said, on the Mothers of Misfits podcast. And I said, uh, you know, it's funny because I, I'm not a mother. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even have no. I don't even have my own children, but I said you should be talking to my mom because she has a whole quiver full of misfits. I think every one of my siblings, we totally have never fit a mold. We are some crazy people. Yeah, growing up and everything. She will definitely be on the podcast if I have anything to do with it. And I'm sure she must be an amazing woman for what you've described. She's she's the best. She's been very patient. Patience has been one of her virtues for her life. She has to be um, incredibly patient and very nurturing. And it sounds like that she gave each of you the freedom to be yourselves. She always, you know, one special thing about her is she always supported us as people. Mm. You know, it was never about our schoolwork, mm. only in as much as if schoolwork was reflecting that there was something off with where we were supposed to be, whether it's our character or whatever it was. But she was really, really always very prayerful and supportive, even with, I mean, she's had kids come home multiple times <laughs> saying, we have these crazy ideas about things we want to do. And my dad would often say, that's crazy. You, you know, you kids, that's, that's not what you do. You got to do, do this. He would get into the planning mode mm-hmm. and mom would just kind of, she would nod. Okay. I'm like, maybe that's what the Lord wants for you. And, and she would just kind of take this path of patience, but she always seemed to, to, to not get emotionally rattled by our out of the boxness or our crazy ideas or like big vision stuff that you typically might hear a kid say and think, oh, that's cute. But she really nurtured that. It was a really special thing to to have a woman like that growing up that never made us feel like what we thought was possible was impossible. And I think that's a big reason why when we started Cornerstone Prep together, you know, we had seven kids our first year. Now here we are 12 years later and it, it from somebody, myself, I was never that good at school. And I talk to my students all the time and there's so much pressure I can see in their faces on a day to day. And I tell them, guys, I wasn't good at school. I was smart. I was a wild underachiever when it came to academics. And there are certain pain points in my life that that certainly created. But it was because I had a great mom who, even with my academic shortcomings, uh, never, ever discouraged me that great things were possible. And then we started a school together, you know, and, and, and you look at kids, it's really special. One of the greatest things that I love about working with kids is seeing their faces change after you tell them like, I struggled in the thing that you're struggling with. Mm. And they just kind of like give you this look like, Question like you're a mark? I know. And you struggled. I thought you were like the you were like <laughs> you won the game. A superstar I, student, right? I'm telling you, well, that's what they that's the assumption. But but like let's be honest though, a lot of times that's a correct assumption. Usually the you know we we're in this mm. system of school that's rewarding people with grades. And we're awarding medals at the end of this competition. And usually the people that end up running schools, end up teaching in schools, that end up, you know, planning for what kind of schools we should have, they're the ones that won the school game. 
Mm-hmm. They're usually not the misfits along the way. So the people that haven't fit into that mold feel very disenfranchised with what school is. Absolutely. And many of them, once they're out, if they can make it out alive, right, they run as far away from school as they can get. So we see a lot of those misfit students that didn't mm-hmm. learn the way that they're expected to learn, despite maybe being the smartest mm-hmm. IQ wise yeah. in the school, but that was such a difficult taxing experience for them. So when they eke it out with their, you know, maybe C average, and then they get yeah. into the marketplace and they're some of the most successful entrepreneurs. Absolutely. And they have that freedom to finally be who they're made to be, right? But many of them run from school right. at that point because they've had such a jaded experience. But what's exciting about you is you said, I'm just going to do this differently. (laughs) And when I first met you, you you described yourself as a disruptor. And I love that because I use that term a lot. And you are obviously, I'm sure everyone who's listening can already hear how much of a misfit you are. (laughs) But tell me about a little bit more about your experience in school and your journey to this point and how you embrace that word misfit in your own life. You know, I always loved learning. From the time I was young, I remember sitting around my grandparents' dinner table. And for us as kids, it was very normal for us to talk with adults. It was very normal to talk about history or politics or economics, whatever the case was. And we didn't know that that was something that not everybody did. So learning and being engaging with adults was something that was a very normal part of growing up. And um, I loved history. I loved arguing about things. I'm very idealistic and fighting for whatever those ideals were, whether it's an argument about politics or economics or history and whatever the case was, uh, was something that was very much a part of my life. And school was not totally like that a hundred percent. You know, I mean, I would rather discuss something than memorize something. You know, that's kind of how I synthesized myself, my own ideas. I would argue about it. And I think, um, when going through school, it was never that I didn't love learning. I loved learning. But a lot of the learning in school was, I didn't really care as much about the solar system or chemistry. Like That just wasn't something I liked. I would never argue that it wasn't important, but I just never felt that that was important for me. And going through you know, my school experience, what was really cool is occasionally you have a teacher that kind of sees that. And I, I did have some teacher. I had somebody that told me one time that I was never going to, um, I was never going to make it in life. I was never going to make it in college. Yeah, it was amazing. Whoa. It was amazing. She said, you're never going to make it. And I was like, okay, well, I kind of get it. You're, what you're seeing, you're not wrong. I mean, I was kind of a knucklehead and uh, not a great student, but, but really, um, kind of feeling like I love learning and I love learning in ways outside of school. I watched documentaries. I read books. I, you know, met with people and was always very curious about what they thought about the world. And, um, but that never translated for me to excellent grades. And I went off to college. I got wrecked (laughs) my freshman, my freshman year of college. Wow. Was it hard? And I expected it to be hard, but I, it really caused some introspection in me of saying, is this really for me? Is, I mean, I loved it though. I loved learning. I loved everything about it, but my grades didn't reflect what I loved about it. And it was very much at my, at that point in my life, you know, you're an 18 year old kid looking back now, what do you know when you're 18? You know, but at that time in my life, I felt like I was at a crossroads where I was like, is this am I stupid? Should I not be liking this? I love it. I love my friends here. I love my professors. I love the the topics and everything going on. 
but I'm not doing well. And is that something that is telling me that I should be doing something else or whatever? So that was very discouraging. Um, but at the same time, again, through that, I had a great, I had a great professor, um, a professor of education, Roger Mackey. Loved this man with my whole heart. Um, we maintain contact to this day. I was considering like hanging it up, like maybe this isn't for me. Maybe I should go figure something else out. And he asked me, are you called to be a teacher? In his office, I'm in the guy's office. Mm-hmm. He says, are you called to be a teacher? And I said, yeah. He says, you love it. I said, I love it. I love teaching. I love learning. He says, so what God's showing you in the light, don't doubt in the dark. Mm-hmm. And that was huge for me because it was a guy who was a PhD, had you know all of the, he's such a smart guy. But in a moment of what I would say, like genuine, not just compassion, but he saw what really mattered and affirmed that in me. And that was so huge for me. And like we talked about my mom, like somebody who always like the passion, the direction, the vision, and the, the I wasn't lazy. I was a hard worker, you know, seeing that all of those things were what mattered more than the data and feedback that I was getting about grades. And that was huge for my life. And I wouldn't have, I would have never thought to start a school by God's grace, you know, um, Cornerstone Prep. I would have never sought that out if I hadn't been given that encouragement from a guy like Dr. Mackey and then my mom who had started a school. So I thought, Hey, well, I'm going to do that too. (laughs) So calling her and say, uh, you know, what I would just say is calling the expert in the field and saying, Hey, you took a very, she was a nurse. Oh, wow. She was a nurse and she was by by training and she uh, was an entrepreneur. Uh, She had her own TV show back in the eighties and she was really kind of out of the box. Yeah. She's a wild person. (laughs) So (laughs) a misfit mom of misfit kids. Totally. That seems to be in many ways how she related to all of you. That's a good, that's a good way to put it. And she, I mean, even partnered with you in creating Cornerstone Prep, which is not just that she was supportive of you being a misfit and having to sort of create your own path. She was right there with you. And I love that. I love that. You've bonded over that. And as I hear you talking about your story, it reminds me of very sobering research that's been done by Colby Corp out in Arizona, that only 20% of kids are wired to do well in school. Hmm. And what's interesting about that 20%, and I'm not talking about intelligence, I'm just talking about how those students operate and learn. And it's more the memorization, the data, the schedules, and we're talking about the bells ringing in school and having that structure and that, um, you know, there's all these, in 20 minutes we do this, in 20 minutes we do that, and we're doing one thing at a time, right? And this depth of detail. So those 20% of students are wired like the teachers Hmm. who also operate that way. So there's not to take away from their hard work and their efforts, but there's this advantage or what I would call tailwinds for those students. But if you are among the 80% of students who are not wired that way, that are really experiencing every single day the stress of by a little or a lot being outside the expectation. So like for you, it's, it wasn't learning itself was exciting. It's just that your way of learning is to experiment, innovate, talk about things, mess with things, tinker. Uh, it, it's not the typical classroom right. setting. And what I see that's so devastating is 
you know, we'll have those really young kids, you know, in elementary school and they have that zeal for learning because yeah. I, I feel like yeah. that's built into a lot of us, right? There's that curiosity. And then what happens is they get punished mm-hmm. for you can't sit still. You keep talking in class. You know, you're you're disturbing your friends. You're not raising your hand. You're a fidget. You're touching your friends and you're distracting others. And then in, they lose that zeal yeah. and they say, well, heck, if I'm getting in trouble either way, you know, when I'm striving, I get in trouble. Um, so why would I do this? Right. Why would I put in the effort? And they stop caring. Yeah. And right around the second and third grade mark. And then I see another distinction about seventh and eighth grade is where a lot of those misfit students just stop. Yeah. And in many ways, I don't blame them. But I really blame the system for creating that result. And I love that you are an advocate for those kids and that you can do that here at Cornerstone Prep. You know, you can help them to see, hey, we can learn in different ways. There's no one right way of learning. I'd really like you to talk about on that note, your authentic education platform. What does that mean? And how do you live it out? We're we're actually sitting in Cornerstone Prep to record this podcast. And as we got here, we passed by this awesome looking garden (laughs) and we had a tour of the shop class and your robotics and clearly you're not just sitting and doing book learning here so yeah please explain that authentic education approach and how it's capturing all students not just the minority of students yeah oh that's it's so cool like and, and and one of the things that we would say we're we're trying to be better every day you know we're trying to constantly examine why do we do the things that we do in school Like, what is our ultimate goal for this? And then how can we build those experiences into school to actually help us get where we're trying to go? Not just getting so focused in on the, let's be good at this particular thing, but why are we, why do we care about this? And, you know, so for example, our authentic education, which is huge for us, we build days into the school year where we want kids to be outside of school doing something meaningful, meeting somebody and sharing something valuable. And for example, the gardening uh, that was something we said, hey, teachers, is there something valuable that you would like to teach kids? And we give the kids, there's probably a dozen different options they have to engage in something authentic. And we don't care what it is. We just want you to do something that you care about because we think we're not teaching science. We're not teaching even gardening. You're teaching a kid. And everybody has, like you said, that, that, that 20% are going to play the game really well. You know, you give them homework, they're going to do it to a T. They're going to have anxiety about not doing homework. <laughs> exactly. Right. You know? They turn their oh, homework no. in early. Yeah, like they're stressed yeah. out. They're, e- they're emailing yeah. you the night before. Uh, uh, can I get clarification on this? And this, and this, and this? Yeah. But like 80... Which we va- love those kids too. They're, but, they're but amazing. But obviously this system is playing to their strengths. Totally. Yeah. And, 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 and realizing, I think first and foremost, just what you said, like the system is playing to their strengths doesn't mean that there are strengths that aren't elsewhere. And for, for, for some kids, I mean, it's amazing to watch, for example, like in a shop class, there might be a kid who, when it comes to um, a math class, maybe he doesn't do well. And now we always want to ask the question, why are they not doing well? Right. You know, especially with younger children, like, is there something going on at home? Uh, Is there something that they're dealing with? Maybe like, um, are they getting teased or something? Whatever the case is, we want to under, we want to go deep diving into understanding this individual person first. And that's what I love about what you guys do with trying to understand, um, is this actually a learning difference? Is this like you have a different MO or is it 
you had a rough week because there's something bad going on, you know, with, that you're sad about. Like, that's okay too. And I think that we have to have enough empathy to realize like kids are different. That's not even, is it just okay? That's good. Do oh, we really yes. want a bunch of test right. takers? Right. Yeah. And, and I appreciate what you're saying about not jumping to conclusions. I see very well-meaning people that are very quick to ascribe a label and yeah. it typically has disorder in the name. Oh, and yeah. with young impressionable kids and when something's not working out, we call it disordered mm. and they internalize that. Big that time. really becomes part of who they are. And rather than recognizing, Hey, there could be multiple factors here. And it, it could just be that, you know, it's not something's wrong with you. There's something wrong with your environment. For so sure. let's start with changing the environment first, mm. but really protecting and acknowledging that that child is so capable and so talented and nobody's perfect. But I, you know, obviously for you in your personal journey, what stuck out to you are the people that told you you had something to offer. Big time. And we need to be telling our kids, particularly our misfits, yes, that they have something to offer. Yes. And, you know, don't, it's not about feeling lesser or broken or disordered. It's just about changing that environment. Yes. So we had a, a an awesome, we were fired up conversation <laughs> about, uh, I think that's just going to be true of all of it's our conversations true, yeah. that we're, we're passionate people and it's excited great. about this topic. Can you talk about how, the need of the educational system has evolved, but yet the system itself has really not. Sure. I mean, and even the words you used are the educational system, I would say, you know, let's talk and let's call it what it is, the school system. Ah, yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> but but, but see, right. what we have, and I'm, you know, I do the same thing, by the way, you know, I, I think um, the, the fundamental question with anything, and I think this is whether it's cornerstone prep or what, it, there are many, many, many different kinds of schools out there. Um, Many of them are great, you know, and I think the first question is, well, what is school for? Why are we designing what we're designing? I mean, even at home with, with your, with your family, with your children, why are we doing the things that we're doing? Are we trying to, as we would say, Cornerstone, we want to prepare students for life and work in the real world. So that's the context. We're not thinking about what are you doing right now? What's your current struggle right now? But what does this look like, this current struggle 10, 15, 20 years from now? Okay. And how can we deal with this present issue with the end in mind of you're going to be an adult someday with a family? It's tough when you're looking at that second grader that, that, <laughs> yeah. that, that, that's having a challenge. I mean, I've, I meet with third grade boys um, sometimes before school. We, we have devotions and, and physical. We'll run, we'll run around the gym and stuff. Man sometimes. time. Man time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And we try to invite the young. But, but the question is, um, how are you being prepared in this system for life and work in the real world? And the real world today looks wildly different than it did when school was developed, the schooling system was developed to meet the needs of the Industrial Revolution. And you can look and you can you can do deep dives into conspiracy theories and all that kind of stuff. But I just think on a very practical level, um, it's a great place to start. What is school for? And the schooling system, grades, separating kids by age. Why do we do that? 
Why do we separate kids by age? Do we just assume? Not all at the same yeah, place. that's it's, age is, it, is not a, a an across the board factor in terms of their curiosity, their MOs, where they are in their learning right. abilities right. and interests. Yeah, that, I think a lot of the things we do with schools, they're just it's easy. It's easy. Like if we have to separate, mm-hmm. okay, how are we going to do it? It just takes more work. And I think, like with my mother and a lot of the mothers maybe listening to this podcast, um, we're not advocating for an easier path, just a better path that there actually is if we take the time to look at people individually and learn about them, that that might be hard work on the front end, but it actually leads to a lot less hard work for the rest of your life if you're in the wrong thing. And I think just refocusing on the question, what is school for? And then what is my job as a parent for. I'm preparing these kids for the world. And now there's an issue with the teacher. I love this. I, I encourage my families all the time to think this way. You know, um, they got a bad grade on something. They got in trouble in school. Those are opportunities to deal with a particular challenge that's going to prepare you someday for 20 years down the road. When you're working for a company someday or you're working for yourself someday, you're going to have a challenge. How are you going to deal with that? And I know like we talk about, um, you know, the, the helicopter parents, the, the temptation is going to be, I'm going to fly in and like tell that teacher, the principal. But I say like, let's pause. If we want this young person to be confident, self-sufficient, um, to take responsibility for their own life, you know, and, and embrace their differences, how can we as adults in their life encourage them to take more responsibility for it. Now, it's tough. Age-appropriate context matters. Sure. You know, I don't know if you're saying to well, a third grader, email, you need to email your teacher. Maybe, there, maybe there's, maybe. <laughs> right. but, but, I, but I do say, I, I tell my seniors and, and upper grade students, guys, like, I shouldn't be getting an email from your mom. You know, this is something you are capable of doing. And in the world someday, you're going to need to be able to do these things on your own. And I have friends in college, college admissions, and um, a number of different colleges slash universities. And and you'd be surprised how many parents are emailing admissions counselors, how many parents are emailing professors. And I'll take it a step further. I True story, have heard of a mother who went to the job interview and not just to the venue (laughs) and expected to be in the interview with her son. And the HR person, which is the perspective from which I heard the story, just had no idea how to <laughs> how to handle that. That was a, a, yeah. thankfully a rare occurrence. Right. But I would agree with you that we we have to give our kid first, we have to let our kids know how talented and capable they are. Yes. So they have to hear those positive messages and not empty praise, right? But yes. but Good. genuine uh, understanding that they are capable and that we believe in them and we need to empower them by understanding how it is that they're wired to get those results and to problem solve. And then we got to say, Hey, here's the result. How are you going to get there? Right. And we're here to support you, but, but you're driving this. And of course, age appropriate. But as part of that, like you said, I appreciate you're talking about failing. Mm-hmm. It's uh, as a mom, you know, knee jerk yeah. reaction, yeah. right? You, you don't want to see your kids fail, particularly right. if, if I've gone through that same experience and I know what the end result's going to be. But I tell parents all the time, you know, when it comes to health and safety, you know, they're, that's a for non-negotiable, sure. right? 100%. But past that, particularly for certain kids that are misfits because they're so entrepreneurial, failure is in them. 
they have to fail because yes. if they're not taking those kinds of risks in which they could fail, they're not going to succeed. Mm-hmm. And they're 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 just not going to be motivated to get engaged. So failure is important. Um, communicating, taking responsibility. I love all of what you're talking about, but knowing and, and letting them know that we're there to support them yes, and that we believe in them, you know, all really important messages. So on that note, what would you tell to parents of misfits in terms of wh- what can they do from your perspective, particularly as a principal and educator to best advocate for their kids? particularly, you know, in the school system. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think a great thing, you know, you said there, uh, failure. And I think first just really knowing what is success and, you know, what values are we trying to, to uphold? I went skiing one time with my, my younger brother who is a total misfit, but is wildly, wildly successful in the world today. You know, he's done some of the hardest, most difficult army training that, that, that the world knows. And he's been able to accomplish a lot. We were skiing one time and we, we got up to, uh, it was the end of the day and we're getting ready to get on one of our final runs and we're, we're getting off the lift. And I said, yeah, bro, man, this is like, what, this is an awesome day. I said, I didn't, I didn't even fall one time. Didn't even fall once. And uh, we're skiing pretty aggressively all day. And he looks at me and he says, is that your goal? And he, mm-hmm. and he goes down mm-hmm. and I was like, I paused for a minute and I was like, huh? Like, and it was a really, it was a short interaction, but I think that's a question I would ask parents to be asking, like, whether it's with the spouse or with your kids, like, what's our goal? Is our goal to not fall? Is it to not fail? Or is it to be brave, to try something, to get out of your comfort zone? Because if you want to be great, there's no path to greatness that doesn't involve multiple, multiple, multiple failures. And I think for families analyzing and just talking about like asking good questions. What happened with this assignment? Did you care about it? Did you not? What could you do differently? Just some basic, basic, just, I think first and foremost, you know, I'm not, I I don't have, here's the the nine things to do, but I think first (laughs) just understanding what is school for? Who is my child? They are different than me. Don't assume Mm. So that true. you know your child. Right. Or what works well for you totally may not work well for your child. Well, and, I, and I see that a lot of times. I see um, a lot of families and they love their kids. They would lay down in traffic for their kid. And I think we have a very difficult time seeing the world empathetically that like not everybody is the way that I am. Right. We all have a bias towards our own MO. I, I agree. It worked well for us. It worked, so it must work well for our kids. And, 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 <laughs> and, and really, I mean, I think truly understanding ki- kids are different. People are different. The Absolutely. world today is different. Even one child to the other. You know, I have a lot of parents remark, wow, this worked for my oldest son and this isn't at all working for my daughter, right? You know, I yeah. had to relearn parenting from even one the kid mis- to the other. Mis- yeah. Well, it's funny because yeah. even like through my siblings, like we're all kind of not cut from the cloth of the school system, type, but we're all wildly different too. You know, we are all super, super different. We all get along great, but it took, you know, a lot of times we had conflicts and stuff growing up. But I think... To, to any parent, I would just say, please, please, please take the time to find out what your kid is good at, what they care about. And, and I would also say, I love what you said earlier about like empty praise. We're not talking about just 
bumping their self-esteem and like we've got plenty of that to go around right. I, you know I, right. we don't have to tell them they're good at things and give them trophies for right showing it's not up. that everybody's a winner and uh, right yeah and I, and I think unfortunately that's kind of something we've seen uh throughout throughout the world we, the need to like give a bunch of affirmation for everything rather than like explore like get involved in different things read different books or watch different programs whatever or go out and volunteer get and see like and know what to look for you know for example when i'm it, i i like to go as a as the principal i'll walk into classrooms and just watch and observe and i'll go into lunchtime or recess and i'll watch and look at little things about how does this kid interact that kid saw when somebody else wasn't feeling included and they walked over to him like we have to know what to look for. Like maybe that's a person, like that's a strength that we should never train out of a kid. No, you know, no, yeah. Even and, the knucklehead boys, right? They uh, get, they get, you know, the knuckle. For all you moms of like kids, you're like, I can't, you know, wait till middle school. Middle school, like the boys, they can't stop. Like, stop touching each other. <laughs> oh no, you know? that's what I'm in for. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. You know, the girls, like, it's just drama. Like, mm -hmm. oh, it's just like an estrogen Molotov cocktail just every day, just explosions of drama. And I was like, it's okay. Take a deep breath. You're gonna be okay. I promise. It's gonna be okay. But like learning that boy that is just off the rails a lot of the times he goes for that loose ball at recess aggressively like he's brave the issue with him isn't we want him to not be aggressive we want him to increase his wisdom we want him to, to think for a half a second so rather than saying stop doing that i think that's where we tend to we tend to go in and like get very behavioral stop yeah. that Punishment. do this yes yeah go read stop this, do that. And rather than seeing like, what is the strength that's being used here? That's a kid that's brave. He just needs to learn some wisdom. Maybe he yeah. just needs to and think for half a second. how channel that correctly, right? So you've got an energy to be brave or to be hands-on. And yeah. I say all the time, if you're not helping them channel that positively, it's still going to happen. You're still going to have the behavior. It's just going to come out negatively. Right. And to, to piggyback on what you're talking about, I think you would never go wrong in praising a child for striving. 100%. So no matter yeah. what they're doing, if you see them putting in effort, yes, that's something that's praiseworthy. 100%. Because they're trying. Right? So it's not even whether or not it's successful or if it flops, but they're trying. That's the, is your goal not to fall? Right, Is right. your goal not to fail. Right. And I don't know if our listeners are familiar with the concept of fail forward, but I love mm, that, right? Yeah. It's it's not whether or not you're going to fail because you sure will, but are we failing forward? Are we learning from that? And are we examples of that to our own kids, right? Yes. Are, are we giving ourselves grace for when we fail? Are we talking to them about, hey, I really messed this one up, but here's what I learned from it. Right. And and here's how I'm a better person for it, right? I think in separating in there too, one thing I encourage all of our staff and our kids is realizing the difference between being wrong and being rebellious. You know, making a mistake, we never want to punish ever, ever, ever making a mistake, being wrong. It's, it's a different thing to say, you know, don't go into the street. Do you understand mommy? Do you understand daddy? And then they do it. Like that's a different thing than they dropped the milk on the way to the dinner table or, but I look at in, in schools too. And you look at kids and I love going down to elementary because there's this vibrance, there's this energy. If you ask a question in class, every hand's going to go up. Mm -hmm. they, they just, they want to engage. They want to be a part of it. And 
throughout the course of time, what unfortunately happens is because we're in a reward based, you are rewarded for getting the right answer and you are perverb, you know, punished quote unquote for getting the wrong answer that there's a fear a lot of times of even from your peers, from your teachers that being wrong, I don't want to look stupid. I don't, I mean, I felt that way. I mean, I felt that way. I mean, I loved engaging. I loved talking. I loved learning, but I became afraid to even share because am I going to get looked at a certain way. And that's why I love what you said about just, you know, encouraging your kids to fail forward, encouraging like it's like be wrong. You know, a lot of times I'll ask kids, I'll say like, give me some wrong answers. Mm-hmm. Right. Please. Like, like, yeah, tell me what, tell me, yeah, like it's, no it, one's evaluating you. And, and I love it too. Moment. I agree. And, and I love what you said too. Like being examples of that, I think is huge too. And that's why I like to share I think in the social media world that we live in today, <laughs> one of the biggest problems is people are sharing their highlight reels. And I think we compare ourselves to other people's highlight reels. I think we need to share our failures more. We need to, we need to be more proud of like, look, I was bad at this. This is what I could have done better, but this is also, I'm okay with being bad at that. That doesn't have anything to do with my life. Don't, if, if, if you're not good in chemistry, that's okay. I wasn't good in chemistry. And I turned out okay. You know, uh, I think it's okay to be wrong, but like celebrate some of our failures and shortcomings to show people. And you should see the look on kids' faces. When I, like what I said earlier, when I talked to some young kids, yeah, I didn't do great in school. I had to get, I talked last week, in fact, I talked to a, a couple kids that were struggling, um, elementary, struggling in math. And I told them, I said, you guys know, I had to get math tutoring ninth through 12th grade after school. And the, the look on the kids' faces, they're, uh, they just, because you're a human being to them at that point it was and your willingness to be vulnerable helps them to see that it is okay and that we can learn from those experiences and i'll i will take from my son who just the other day told me he gave me a a toy and i am the worst one thing i'm not all that great with is mechanical things that's Mm -hmm. not in my natural strength so he gave me a toy that has to be put together probably knowing that this is going to be a struggle for me so he said (laughs) mama it's okay if you fail because that means you're learning Atta and boy. you're growing. a boy. And I thought, oh, Mason, I love that you encouraged me. And I love that he already knows at six years of age that it's okay to fail because that means you're growing and you're learning. So if the listeners want to learn more about Cornerstone Prep, yeah, where can they go? Man, I would love you guys to check us out on Facebook, uh, Cornerstone Prep on Facebook. We put a lot of stuff out there uh, just sharing with some values who we are, what we do, why we do it. Um, also, check us out online, our website, cornerstoneprep.net. Um, we'd love you to become a part of our tribe. You know, we know Cornerstone is not for everybody, uh, but we just love sharing um, why we do what we do. And we're just learning. We don't have have all the answers, but we uh, we just know some of the things you're talking about, they matter. So we want to keep that conversation going and never stop. Well, I love, Brandon, how you are disrupting education and the school system. And it's amazing how you're keeping an eye out for all kids, <laughs> misfits and fit-ins. So thanks for the good work that you're doing and, and for joining us today on our conversation. Man, so my great pleasure. God made them all. We got we to gotta, we gotta do what we can do as adults, take care of them all. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Mothers of Misfits podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. We also invite you to visit us at mothersofmisfits.com.